looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. <laughs> Do you know what he can feel in his plums, by the way? It's coronavirus. I figured it oh out. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to start off your podcast? With we, might as, we, might as well just, we might as well just get right to the point. By the way, I posted something. See if you get the joke. Uh, I posted this on Twitter. You might have seen it earlier. It was, you, you, you scared me when you started this because you, you were looking out the window at the rotating billboard, and you said to me, Ross, I've just done something as a joke. I'm like, oh my gosh. No, no, we're, far, not, we're not, we're not, we're not looking. How far have you gone here? No, we're not looking at the billboard here. So <laughs> right out, right out this window, what I posted earlier is I took a picture of this piece of machinery. I don't even know what that's called. It's not even a crane, but I said, as someone heavily invested okay, in the market, I know what that is. So as someone heavily invested in the market, I feel like that piece of machinery is mocking me right now. <laughs> now look at, look at the shape of it. You know, it's this thing that's kind of going. <laughs> It goes up and straight down, up, straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down. Yeah, it's like a so it's like a crane with multiple elbows in it, but the uh, yeah, the, but the end product is not way up in the air; it's down on the ground. And the graphs go left to right, so, so if you look at the right side, it's just plummeting. That's just very, that's funny, dropping yeah. straight to hell. Here's what that is, Mark. That is a concrete pump. Okay. Yep. So along those arms, you see that hose. The brown there's yep. the red arms, and yep. there's a hose along the side of it. They're pumping concrete through that, and they do that to get concrete into really difficult places to to get to. I mean, that's an extremely long arm. If that well, was if that was straight up, I, I don't know how tall that would be. Well, it, it would, would say, be very very tall. I would say each length of that is twenty feet. So oh, twenty four. No, way way more than that, dude. Okay, maybe twenty five. Way more than that. Thinking thirty feet. Yeah, it, minimum. Okay. Minimum. That's a big piece. We're across the street. It's and a that big thing looks piece. Huge. It it's is a big, big piece. piece. So you could uh, look at the size of that piece. <laughs> you could, uh, yeah. You, so that way you can they can pump concrete up into in the crevices. Uh, the cre- you're you're me. right. Right. Exactly. They're pumping their stuff in the crevices. Why are you the way you are? Or, um, you know, I'm. So I'm I want. I want. I wanted to yell at you yesterday. Why? Because my wife and I are driving around. We're listening to your show. Okay. Because I'm a good friend, support, yeah. support my buddies. And uh, by the way, this is not why I was going to be mad at you, but it reminded me that, and and people will take this wrong. The show that we do is never going to be the same as the show that you and Chris do. No. And the main reason for that is, when it comes to a lot of things, you and I are on the same page. Yeah. We get the same jokes. We know the same things. Oh. The, you you could just beat Chris up all day long. On the stuff he is unfamiliar with, has not seen, doesn't uh, isn't even on his radar, and that's what you were doing yesterday. Well, you guys were having a little fun, dude. He, and he, but he brings it on himself. It's not like he does. I, I don't go out of my way to try to find the things that Chris doesn't know about. I had no idea that Eric Zamora, our producer, was going to play Jim Morrison coming back. Yeah. He played Little Doors, and. We, Chris, you know, I'm sitting there rocking out to it like, yeah. And Chris opens the mic and with all sincerity says, is this that uh, Michael Blue Blay? <laughs> it's Jim Morrison. Now, it's the door. Now, I, I, think, that, I think that Chris uh, plays, plays the part, but does he actually think that's Michael Blue Blay? I don't know. Yeah, I maybe I'm more naive than I, you know. We all we all think we've got a great lie detector in us, and uh, and most of us don't, but we all believe that we do. Because I'm sitting there thinking to myself while this is going on, and ironically, you guys played Christmas music. I'm not sure, but but uh, I can. Play, I, I, I can, heard I heard you sing the other day. By the way, you were doing a little Elvis in the car, 
you can sing just fine, but essentially, Riders on the Storm does not sound like just haven't met you yet. Good job. Thank you know, you. it's not even close. Not even close. Now, there is a there's a tonal similarity. Between, yeah, they're both male. Well, it's more than that. They're more than that. There is a there's a there's a tonal uh, similarity between the two of those guys that I had never I wouldn't have noticed if Chris hadn't said that honestly. But other than that, it is that delivery that you just hit it on the head. Like Jim Morrison's a dude. It's coming from his soul, man. It's got this feel. And Michael Bublé is trying to perform, and it's always singing. Is it? Is it? It's poppy. Is it? Is it? Well, I'm trying to the similarity. Yeah. Is it? Is it bass? Because they're they're not deep singers. They're not Johnny Cash. They're not Johnny Cash. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. They're not. But it starts. It's low. It's like birds. Birds flying high. You know, it's like I don't know. Wrong word, but like I think you've hit it there. That. It's not that deep, bassy, growly thing, but it's certainly not the uh, uh, Levine. Adam Levine. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Uh, pitchy, what do they call that? Falsetto. Falsetto. Yeah, right. It doesn't go up into BG. You know, so, the, so it's, that, it, it's that range that's the same for both of them. But the delivery is a totally different thing where yeah. crooner is what, uh, is what Buble is. He's trying yeah. to be the performer. Morrison was not happy. He was not a happy singer. That's, you know what, Mark? God, you're good at this. You're, you've just hit it on the head, too, about what allows for that difference. Yeah. Why does Jim Morrison come from the soul? Because something's hurting. Yeah. He's hurting. He's trying to find something inside. Michael Buble seems like a pretty happy guy. Canadian, I don't, Canadian preppy, dude. I, I, Michael say, Buble. Say, I know nothing about Michael Buble, but I will assume that he came from a, 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 a fairly well-off family. I don't even know that, but I think yeah. he just... I don't know the full Michael Bublé story, but definitely from Canada. And his grandfather used to take him around to clubs so he could sing. Okay, because he was too young to get in. So we talked about this one day at lunch, right? That didn't I think we you were at lunch with us one day, and we were talking about how there are certain when people say socioeconomic status, that means a whole bunch of things. But there's this one weird thing that you can ask people about, and it gives you an idea about their family. Yeah. Do you know? One of your grandmother's maiden names, and if you do, what that means? There you go. It, it, for me, I know both of them. It was Werner and Heath. It was Werner on mom's side. It was Heath on dad's side. Yeah. And what that? It, it, just that one question. It allow it, you may have researched it. There's the, there's the, a, a certain five percent of people that will say yes, I know those things, but it's not because I knew my grandparents. It's because I researched it. I would say most don't. The other 95% of people that know their grandparents' names know it because there is a generational knowledge within their family. Sure. Okay? And that means something, man. You're, you're, you are wet, you're better off because of that stuff if you have that generational More, co- more connectedness is a yeah, good thing. Yeah, it doesn't thing. mean that you're part of old money. It doesn't sure. mean it, but there is, there's a knowledge that has kind of been passed down if you can hold on to that information, okay? And, and that's, a, that's kind of a fun Agreed. thing to do with people. Agreed. So I wanted to uh, – we should have called this show I Digress, by the way. Jump the Shark is <laughs> apropos as well. But um, So we're driving in the car, and you're talking, um, and I'm like, I wanted to call in and say, Ross, what the hell? But you corrected yourself about a minute later. Okay, so we're, you and I are having a conversation at some point last week, and you're asking me about memories that I have, right? And not memories that are that far off. We're talking five years ago, 10 years ago. And you're like, are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Yeah. As in my memories, even a short distance back, are, are not as true as I probably think they are. Yeah. Meanwhile, on your show, you were speaking with clarity about your youth at Adventureland. Yeah. And what this diver was doing. Right. And then this guy calls and is like, no, Ross, no, 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 no. They were clowns. Yes, isn't that wild? You weren't even close yeah. to, the, to the right thing. And they're like, that's right. So it's like, I'm like, Ross, how are you so sure about something when you were five at yeah. Adventureland? But then before I could even do anything or send you a text, this guy righted the ship and said, no, dude, there were clowns now, jumping off I'm, this I'm glad pole. Brought, I'm glad you brought this up because... That memory that I had where I said, man, I remember like a guy in a Speedo climbing up a great big pole. Yeah. That was how the clown show ended. 
a, a guy reached out to me. I was on the phone with him actually as I was driving up here today yep. for a couple of things. He's doing a charity deal that I'm, I'm going to try to help him out with. But he, the guy called me and said, hey, man, I'm a couple years older than you. When I was a kid, I was fascinated by the diving show. I know exactly. It was a 90-meter platform Jeez. that the guy, not 90 meters, not 90 meters, 90 feet. feet? 90 meters would be like 300 feet in the air. <laughs> 90, <laughs> 90 meters is a long way. As a former track guy running 100 meters, I'm like, that's a long way. That's a long ways up a ladder yeah. to dive into a tiny pool. Well, you, as, and as you were describing this yesterday, you're like, he was disappearing into the clouds. I, again, and I said, as a kid, and I know my perspective's off and all that stuff, sure. it seemed like it was 200 feet in the air, but I know that wasn't true. It yeah. was 90 feet in the air, which is a long ways up there. That's Definitely. Long Still a long ways. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, and it did end with that. But until that guy said that, we had the same thing happen earlier in the week on the, on the morning show. But until that guy said that, Man, it's it's almost like your memory is like this file cabinet, right? And all of a sudden, somebody opens the opens this drawer, and all of this stuff is there. You're like, man, I haven't, yeah, I haven't opened that drawer in a long time. But yeah. oh my gosh, all of these things! And it wasn't until that guy said, "Ross, this was a clown show." And of course, that yeah. initial instinct is no, no. But you got to get past that, and you got to go, God, okay. Let's walk this through that possibility that I might be wrong yeah. here, right? And then it, it clicked, and all of those memories came out. And then a guy sent me a link, and, you know, I even described a move that I instantly remembered because my friends and I used to try to do it at the pools because it was a part of every one of the shows they did. Do the swan dive? It wasn't the swan dive because it, it was a comedy act on a diving board. So the guys would come out, and they'd bounce around, and they'd act yeah. dumb, and you know, they'd look like hillbillies. Basically, when he said clowns, yep. it was a kind of a, you know, what's that, redneck-y. Is there, is there a video of it? Someone said, yes, yeah, absolutely. So you can YouTube it? Yeah, yeah. It was sent to me, sent to me on, the, on uh, last night. I thought I retweeted so it. So when did sure the did. show end? Uh, 88, 89. I'm picturing somebody 80s. there with a gigantic camcorder there re yeah, recording this. That's exactly what it would have had to have been. And when you watch the video, you can tell it's on that grainy yeah. home video that yeah. was magic when we were kids, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So. Yep. The uh, the memory thing is, is interesting to me, and I wonder, like, why some are crystal clear and some aren't. So... I'm 41. I'm not past my glory days yet, which would have been high school, early college. And I've got a lot of, um, they're just on YouTube. I can look them up now because someone uploaded them, but um, old high school games. Okay. In my mind, if you said, okay, sophomore year, or not even sophomore, junior, senior year, junior, senior year, junior year, you guys played at Ankeny, you scored a touchdown or senior year, you're in Mason City, you scored a touchdown. I can always tell you with complete accuracy if we were going right to left or left to right. And I'll be a right 100% of the time, right? Those plays are ingrained in my mind. Now, I can't tell you the down and the distance, but I can tell you if you said, what direction were you heading left or right when you scored that touchdown against that team that year? I know. I don't know why I know, right? Because you, you, I can, can, you I, can say, I, what I was the final you. score of that game? I can what tell was you the why. final score of that game? And I might be able to get that right. Because, Mark, think about what you're saying here, man. You... In all of those plays, you were you were actually going forward. Correct. Okay. So what you're actually remembering is the film. Correct. Of the game. Correct. You're, you're, you're remember, you're I, don't, I don't remember myself there. <laughs> right, you don't remember. I remember watching myself on film. The Correct. Fake step, fake step left to get the guy off you. Correct. Shedding him and going right yeah. and getting the angle, yeah. right? What you remember is watching the video of it. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's the... You're, we, you're just like me. We have a lot in common. I'm a visual. When I, when I start to have a memory, there's a movie that runs in my head. Yeah. And you see it. And you go, yeah, that's what it was. And there's colors and there's feelings and smells and all those things. Yeah. You, that memory that you're having is of the film room. Yeah. And watching it. And probably because of the amount of times that you did it. And maybe there was also, you know, you're a bit of a, you, you, you like you're a bit of an ego guy like me, and what? you probably like that thing of being in the room and everybody what? going, Mark, wait, dude, Woo. touchdown charter, Woo. baby. Touchdown charter. Every, everybody, give it up for Mark. I still like he's my home, I, He's homeschooled, and he's scoring when my, touchdowns. When, my, when I come home from work, my wife claps for me. I make her do it, though. So. <laughs>
when I walk through the door. Oh, Where, dude. Where's the applause? When I leave, I hear applause. You know it's, not, you, it's not until I get to the front porch you know and I'm walking funny? out and I hear this say, yeah, he's gone. Here's, here's, let, let me ask you this. Dissect this for a moment. Okay, all right. You are a self, self-described odd-looking individual, yeah, right? Yeah. Not for me, right? I think I mean, you're. I think you're just fine. I appreciate okay? that, and I and I and I, and I think there is a part of it that does it just so that people will tell me, okay. hey, Ross, you're not as ugly as you say you are." Okay, right. So most people that would describe themselves that way are also not the ego, confidence, cocky guy. Where's it come from for you? Oh man. Because I do think a lot of it is derived from looks. And I'm not, uh, let's clarify here. I'm not calling myself a 10. Like, I get by. <laughs> That's yeah. a, I get by, right? But it's interesting. I would also well, not describe myself in the same way that you would describe yourself. So I'm curious where, where that comes from hmm. for you. Uh, you know, Mark, uh, I never had, uh, just spitballing here, okay? I never had a lot of luck with girls when I was in that kind of coming of age yep. thing. Um, I had, I'm the youngest one in my family, had an older brother and kind of a tough love dad that, you know, I'm, I'm much softer with my son than my dad was with me. Sure. doesn't mean I ever got beat or anything like that, yeah. but he was never, I mean, for my dad to say that any other male was attractive would be a complete that'd be off out of out of line and my children have probably already heard me say that oh i tell you all the time what a good looking boy he is i you know and and then my older brother was just absolutely brutal to me and uh, i was called urkel for a long time which i affectionately was called urkel i said but and it, it man the thing in my house was always that way you know my my brother always made fun of my sister for being fat and like what a horrible thing that is sure. for a young girl to, yeah. you know, go. And we're lucky that my sister didn't develop an eating complex sure. because Brad was just relentless to her. Yeah. And, and, but again, like it was done in such a fun loving way. And I think I've said this before to you, Mark, we had this magnet on our fridge when I was a kid and it said, um, at some point you're part of the joke. At some point you're the butt of the joke. The point is laugh. Yeah. Like, you know, we're yeah. here as a family. You're, and you do that in this office, man. And I've I've mentioned that in this office. Slightly. Everybody better walk in here with their gloves up yep. and know that it's a fun fight. We're coming in here to kind of throw some jabs at each other and, and be silly and and do some nonsense. And we're going to get a lot of work done, by the way. And that's that's how my family was when I grew up. It was yep. just as soon as you wake up, man, be ready because the— It's coming. It, that's right. I mean, it was protect yourself at all times, and here's yeah. the bell. <laughs> Do you think, um, I think the personality attracts response. So I will, t- and, here's, and here's something that, w- that was great for you, and maybe, maybe you're not this way. When you got... Hey, just make as much noise as you want over there. <laughs> Sean's grabbing treats over there. <laughs> when you, when you uh, got canned, you had the benefit of dying publicly. Which meant that people told you how they felt about you, Mark. I've told which, which was which was great for you. Yeah. Okay. Now I don't know if this is true. Let's let's forget okay. that for a second. Right, you okay, go back okay, to okay. It. Okay. I see. I'm going to use social media as an example. There's certain people that will post something on social media, and it doesn't matter what they post. Let's just say it's something about they they gave money to something. Okay, because someone just encouraged me to do that here locally, and I did. But there's certain people that might give money, and then they've got. 30, 50, 100 people saying, oh, you're the best person in the world and you've got such a great heart and blah, 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 blah. And it just seems like certain people are that type where everyone's always uh, praising them, noting what they did, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. Now you've got the other set that, that's a person that constantly takes shit. And it might be well-intentioned or in jest or whatever. So I'm that guy, Okay. I'm the guy that uh, gets birthday cards from people that say, I wish your dad would have pulled out. Right. 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 So part of (laughs) a a big part, a big part of that is self-inflicted that they, well, yeah, you can, you can make that argument. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you vet here while you're just vent and say whatever you want to say. I think, I think a big part of it is people in their heads think they can take it and they can't. Right. So then the question is, why can certain people take it? What about them makes you think I can be meaner, tougher, 
say coarser things to this person than I can to that person. Um, so it, it just seems like certain people and it, and the link, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the people that come off as cocky, confident, uh, successful, whatever, whatever you want to say, are the people that aren't going to get the praise as easily. And maybe it's because people think they don't need it. They don't need it. They already believe in themselves. They don't need anyone else propping them up because they do it to themselves, right? Am I off or am I, am I on? No, you're absolutely on And the which money. one are you? I'm definitely the one that w- seeks the praise or, or wants the praise because I am, yeah, I, I'm self-deprecating. I'm the butt of the joke a lot more. But I, so I get that praise a lot. I get, you know, people, well, Ross, you're, you know, but you're not as ugly as you say. <laughs> uh, you know, way to go, right? And then, you know, when you, yeah, as you're describing this, Mark, I could, I, I, I could absolutely place myself in those categories. I'm 100% in that category. And I don't know where it comes from, you know, when you, uh, the thing about getting the birthday cards from people, not only, when I joke about it being self-inflicted, it's, uh, I think in that same, you know, you describe it there later on. You, you don't just jump into that deep end. That doesn't, you don't, it doesn't just happen like one day at 19 years old, you go, oh, I'm a guy that can take a bunch of crap from a bunch of people at one yep. time, and now everybody knows I'm going to take it. It happens over time. Our personalities are the what uh, uh, culmination of all of those decisions and things that have happened to us over the years. And it's just, this is what it's what's this is what's led to this. All of all of life is what has led to you being able to be that guy and attracting those types of people that are willing to do that and willing to accept it. Um, and, I, and you see it. I mean, you talk about it. Uh, whether you even know it or not, you know when people are around you and they can't do it. They can't, and it, you know, whatever the word is for yeah. it. I think, I think the right word for it is like vibration and energy. But the cliche is, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. And, there, and there's, heat, yeah. there's heat around here. And, right? I, know, and I know someone in my life that... that uh, it's perplexing to me because I'm I, I'm so used to taking taking shit mm-hmm. from friends, right? And I call them friends, so that means they're not giving you shit. Where they're like, I don't like you. It's just they give shit, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they do. And I know of someone in my life that early in the relationship, I tried to ex- do some of that to them, not taken well <laughs> at all. And I'm like, oh man, there's people out there that are extremely sensitive. To the stuff that I hear all the time. And it's just weird. It's weird for me. It's like, and this person, and, and, and this person's a guy. So I'm like, yeah. this is how, this, this is how guys talk to each other, right? They get, yeah. you, dude, you're ugly or whatever, right? But there's some people out there that aren't good at taking that and, stuff at all. And Mark, it's not, one is not better than the other. No. Weird is a, uh, what's the right word? It, weird's a relative term. Mm-hmm. To us, all things are weird that are not what we do. Sure. The decisions that we would make. Sure. And to that person, the fact that you would treat a friend that way is very weird. Sure. No, I and can I, see that. And I've got friends, and you, you, you figure out who those people are in your life and how to treat them and how not to treat, you know, and, and they figure out, oh, Ross treats me different than he treats these other people when I'm around them. Yeah. And if they ask you, you say, yeah, it's because you can't, you don't play those games yeah. the right way. You yeah. just don't, they, you don't know the it's rules. It's like there. if you guys had adopted somebody that come from a loving family that didn't give each other crap and dropped them into your home. They would be, wonder who we were. They would like, wonder why this was a family. Right. Want, you know, I think a lot of families do stuff like this, but like at Christmas on the Peterson side of the family. Yeah. And on the everybody on the Peterson side of the family is blue collar and really fun loving and amazing sense of humor. A real sense of when yeah. things are supposed to be funny. And most of the time, people are trying to be funny and be silly. So every Christmas was a paper fight. You, When you opened presents, you did not give up the wrapping paper because you needed those snowballs for ammunition. Oh, wow. So you crumpled up your paper, and you waited for the games to begin. Yeah. And it was an all-out war, and it was yep. a blast of fun. Now... My mom's side of the family, the Schuppel side of the family, everybody is professors, 
teachers, uh, my uncles in the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. Like, it's a totally different type. Mm-hmm. My grand, Now, Grandpa was blue-collar and a farmer, but all of his kids were really intelligent. Yeah. And so when you went up there, it was just a totally different energy, vibe, vibration feeling, right? You weren't crumpling up balls of paper and winging them across the room. You had to, you had to behave Show differently. Show some decorum, if you did, it, Honestly, and we would do that, of course, because we were Petersons and we were goofballs. And, yeah. um, and we'd, you know, you'd crumple up paper and you'd start to chuck them across the room and instantly everybody else there would be like, are you this juvenile? Mm-hmm. Like, is this fun for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a lot of fun for us, but we won't act this way up here in Wisconsin. Do you instinctively kind of go... <laughs> When you hear people say, and we don't even talk, bring up a topic, but people that say there's nothing funny about whatever, I I never liked that. I think you can find humor in almost anything, and I'm including death in this one. Okay, I think you can. Maybe not right when it happens. Okay, but down the road, you can laugh about some things. I think you can find humor in almost anything. We've talked about Anthony Jeselnik yeah. before. I'm a big fan of Anthony Jeselnik. He is one of the darkest comedians I've ever heard in my life. I mean, he does jokes about all of the things that you could have filled in the beginning of that with, or the end of that with. There's nothing funny about blank. And I think that all of us have things. If Everybody that's listening right now is going, well, man, you shouldn't joke about. You're right. There are things you shouldn't joke about. And I and I would and I would even I could even come up with a long list of things that you should not joke about and that I couldn't off the top of my head think of anything funny. But then as soon as I start to do that, Anthony Jeselnik's probably made me laugh in some way in a topic that you could in in, in a joke that you said would fit into those. Topics. Another guy that so, does that is Daniel Tosh. He goes uh, yeah, to, to dark places as, and even more so in his like specials because his specials where he can be he's not on Comedy Central. Yep. He can really take things to that level. I, yeah, that's a good one too, right? So I, I, I would agree with you. I don't, I don't cringe when I hear it, um, but I think that it's discretion. Like, it, it, not all jokes about thing are funny, but not all jokes about thing are not funny either. So it's big timing. <laughs> timing plays a big role in that. You don't want to tell the joke at the funeral. You know? <laughs> right, it, you want, right. Unless well, it's a really, yeah, you want, unless it's just the right joke. You want to get a little distance from something like that. Um, yeah, and I think that's with a lot of those things that you'd fill in there. Yeah. If people really thought about it, it's more. Oh, not, you know, there are certain things that are evergreen. You know, but there are certain things yeah. that the timing's a big part of it. Yeah. So I want to. We are going to talk about the the elephant in the room here, which is coronavirus and how our thoughts are affected by this and what's going to happen. I think people want to. Hear people's take on it. Um, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the real estate aspect of it as well because what's what's happening in that. But uh, before we go down there, you, you're doing a cool thing on uh, social media, uh, handing out your documentary um, suggestions. So far, I think you're four or five, six days into that. Yep. Um, and I've seen comments. People are appreciating you doing that. Man, talk about a time when people are needing <laughs> some recommendations for things. Um, and I'm always surprised when I even talk about a documentary that you haven't heard of because you're kind of Mr. Documentary and I'm, I'm just your apprentice at this point. Well, I, and I love it when people do this because, uh, people know that I love them and I try, when people recommend them to me, I really do try to go out and, and, and seek them out and, and see them because if if somebody tells me they think I'll like it, I usually end up liking it. So I'm going to pimp one here. For our audience, for you, that you I've, have not I've you have not seen, seen it. No. Nope. It's on, I believe it's on Amazon Prime Okay, uh, right now. Um, it's called Holy Rollers. And the premise of this is, premise is very simple, but the, the dichotomy is um, potentially morality versus making money. Okay. So the premise of this is a group um, that all come essentially from the same church start playing blackjack for money to survive, to live off of as a group. And they do it by counting cards, which, wait, wait, okay. is, which is not illegal okay. to do. Okay. Let's, let's set that. Okay. So for people that aren't familiar, blackjack is a pretty simple game. The goal is to get to 21 and not go over 21 and beat the house, the casino and the, the, the counting cards for people that don't know, all counting cards is is keeping track in your head of what is in the deck 
what has come out, how many tens have come out, how many twos have come out. And in theory, it's very simple to do that. When you see a 10, you minus one. When you see a four, you plus one to keep a count running in your head. And the, the whole premise of that is when you know that the, the uh, deck is rich with tens, you play a certain way. When you know there's not a lot of them in there, you play a different way. Okay, that's, that's blackjack. That's counting cards. So this is a group of uh, pastors and, and uh, what I'll call believers that see nothing wrong with this, okay? Going into casinos and, and gambling for a living, Which right? You, I think you've, and I, I don't, I, again, I haven't seen the documentary, but you are missing an important component to okay. card, card counting here. Okay. And that is the team aspect of it. The more people you can have at a table playing on that same count, yeah. the more you can take advantage of the table. Do they get into that in the in Well, I think they do it both ways. I okay. think I think right. when I say team, they're teamed up, they're all on they're all on a collective mission. Yeah. But I don't know how often they, they play, they play the same table okay. together. Right. They're going to different casinos, etc. And the goal is to so there's like team team captains and and they call it closing a bankroll when they get to a certain amount of money that they've made, they close the bankroll and all the members of that team get paid. Okay. So they're all playing together and there's a lot of trust involved because if I send you to this casino and the other guy goes to the other casino, you could pocket the money, right? You can easily pocket the money and say, I lost the money. Yeah. Sorry. You know, so the, or go the, in and, and win ten grand and say you won two. One, yeah, 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 hundred percent. So a little bit of the documentary is about how they form their team, who comes and who goes, the casino's reaction to this, how much money they make or lose, and uh, it is a documentary that that easily held my attention from start to finish. So if you want a good documentary and you don't have to be a blackjack player to appreciate this, um, it's not churchy. Yeah, right. They happen to be in the church and talk a little bit about that. But it's just about, I, they, I find it interesting because you don't think typically these members of the church are making their living or trying to gambling. It's essentially what they're doing. And based on how you think about it, cheating. Do they at all discuss that kind of, uh, I mean, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but that um, you know, a lot of Christians would say gambling in itself is goes against God yeah. or against, I don't even, I, yeah. I don't want to miss, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to misphrase that. So I don't even want to yeah. try. A lot of people would think that's evil to just gamble in itself. Do they talk about how they, they, they do. I, I remember se- several, several um, interviews within the documentary where they talk about um, gambling and then what they're doing in terms of counting cards. So yeah, that, that does get addressed and clearly they're all doing it. So clearly they all have a justification Yeah, right. for, for doing it. Um, and maybe I must, and, and I personally I must be wrong about the team thing. I have no problem, by the way, for the record, with some of the counts cards, because the casino, the casino has the right to refuse your bet, your action, tell you to leave. They own it; it's private property, right? But they can't tell you what you can do in your brain, and that's what it is. You're not using a device. You're not. You're literally using your brain. Yeah to try to get an advantage right, in so an environment where they want all the advantages. ESPN has 30 for 30 podcasts. Are you a big pod? I think we've talked about it. You, I'm, hard, I'm, you I'm more into the podcast. I, I have one. I have a podcast. You have one here? Yeah, this is this is what we're doing currently. Uh, I didn't know if you uh, if you consume them also. Though. I do, no, okay. but not as voraciously as you do. Thirty for thirty has one about oh, I'm gonna Drew. Is it Ivy? Uh, Phil Ivy. Phil Ivy, the the the, the poker player. You know who I'm talking about oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Do you know what happened with Phil Ivy? I do. And he got caught, basically in. Uh, Edge, che- edge cheating, sorting, cheating a game. Yep. Yeah, baccarat. Yeah. Do you? So if you know the details of that, you yeah. should go listen to this thirty for thirty yep. about uh, what happened with him. It's, it's people, very, very, very interesting. For folks that don't know, but it's kind of to me the same thing as card counting. He, he. Went around to multiple casinos, asking for them to. They all allow, wanted his action. Yep, they all wanted because he's a he's a big whale, and yep. they were all going to try to to take to his money. The whale, right? So he went around and shopped around his game and said, "I want to play a game of baccarat, placed uh, played under these conditions." 
Um, I want it to be only as what you know, and I'm going to a certain type certain of dealer no, that speaks a certain language. Certain type of dealer. Certain. Type, you can't. You can't change the deck. That was important. Exactly right. Yeah. It, there were all sorts of little rules. He finally found a casino in England that would agree to this. Now, and not only you can't change the deck, but it needs to be a specific type of card. Yes, there were all sorts of rules. Yeah. He finally found a casino that would agree to all of these. Well, he found. Things. He found. Oh, well, we got. To, you got to sign a package. He here. found two. Come actually, on in, man. come, come on, in. on in. You can be on the podcast. Come on in. It's okay. I'll take that box. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Oh, next door. Yeah, I can take it for him. This is live. Don't worry about it. You're good. All right. Yeah. All right. Gay, okay, stay safe, man. I'll get. I'll get it to Kyle. Thanks. All, all right. right. FedEx guy's wearing gloves, so sweet. Your, your packages are safe. All Sorry, right, FedEx guy. Kyle, I've got your package, man. If you're listening. Um. Right, so, so, yeah, two, two casinos he found, not simultaneously, but he did this twice. You already know this. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, and it, essentially, the lady that he had with him was a master. She had mastered this skill of being able to know what card was on the face by the pattern on the back, the so, slight differences. So, cards are cut by a yeah. machine and right. sometimes they're not cut perfectly. So edge sorting is being able to detect like the very edge of the card might have a slight, slight difference on the ace of spades yeah. that it has on the eight of clubs. Right. And a la- this lady mastered that skill. Yeah. That, and she, and then again, not like with a specific deck of cards, which I think a lot of us could look at and go, okay, this deck or no, 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 no. This lady could do it on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. She would see the back of the card, watch it get flipped over, and remember the two together. She it was it's an yeah. amazing skill to have. Yep. She went they went. So Phil Phil, Phil takes one casino, I think, for uh, I'm going off memory here. I think something like eight million. I think that sounds right. Another right. one about twelve million or so. One of the casinos pays him, the other one does not. Long story short, this case goes through the court system. Yeah. Court finds that he is in the wrong and has to pay these casinos yeah. back. Now, I 100% disagree with that ruling. Yeah, I do too. And the reason for that is the casinos agreed to all of his requests at any point. They could have said, no, we're not going to let you use the same deck because you could do this they exact were, type of thing. They were trying to take advantage of him the same way. he. I completely agree with you. So with, he, with he found the way to take yeah. advantage, and they bitched about it. All right. It. So did you ever watch Sour Grapes? Because I know we're going to get did. In some documentary I stuff did. here. We want to... Um, what did you feel about that? Because a lot of people that I recommended that to, I said, there's an interesting conversation at the end of this. That essentially what happened with this guy, Rudy, was he shows up and he tells people, I can get you vintage wine that you've never had before. They're, yeah. they're just amazing. You know, I got these 1947. Back, back up a second. Because yeah. Rudy kind of starts as a as a nobody. Nobody knows him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he kind of goes to a couple wine auctions and becomes, you know, better known, et cetera. People don't know where his money is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, or his wine. And over time, I don't know how long of a period of time, but over time he becomes known as like a guy that just knows things and unlimited resources and all of this stuff. And access to crazy sellers. And I don't want to give it away because I want people to watch these things. Like I think later it kind of reveals where some of the money was coming from, et cetera. Yep. Um, I watched a documentary. Um, I, I, I'm not giving away, to, like Rudy's not like, it's pretty clear when you watch this thing, he's not what he says he is. Right. Right. I watched it and I was kind of like, and, and par- partially because I don't understand the wine market at all. I was, a, I was a little bit confused by it because it's not a world I understand. I don't drink wine at all. Um, how he was kind of able to do what he did. Like I, I was kind of perplexed. I was kind of perplexed it, it, by it the is. whole thing. When you watch it, it's perplexing because it's amazing what the guy did, how he was able to, I, I mean, you know, he did, I know people want to see it, but it basically the way he was able to mimic this stuff is just incredible how he did it. So, uh, but the interesting conversation to me is about what did he do wrong? Because he frauded these people. He basically creates fake wine and sells it to people. And then these people open these wines and enjoy it. And think it. they're the real and thing. And they think they're drinking this 1947 Merlot that was worth thousands of dollars. And yeah. they all just gush over it. And yep. it's the greatest wine they've ever had. They even professional, uh, what do they call a sommelier. Yep. It, um, try these wines and go, yep, that's the 47. Oh, that's the real thing. That's it, boy. Man, that's the one I've been waiting for my whole life. 
And then they all found out that it was fake. We believe what we want to believe. And his attorneys come back and go, wait a minute. Didn't he, didn't he give you the experience that you paid him for? Yeah. Didn't you all get together and have this, share this bottle of wine and think that it was amazing and, and talk about how great it was? And didn't he, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it's now we had soured, yeah. sour grapes. Yeah. Because you now know that that bottle wasn't sitting around since 1947. But yeah. did he really rob you guys? Now, the answer is yes, he did. But is, it, is that as interesting as a conversation as I think it is? Well, I, Ross, I let me ask point. you this. You go to Vegas and you uh, decide to uh, buy the best night of sex of your life and a beautiful woman comes over and just rocks your world. You call your buddies back home. Guys, you're not going to believe what happened. I, I, I'll never be able to replicate that ever. That was ridiculously good. It was worth every penny, my friends. And the next day you get a knock on the door and you open up your hotel room and the same woman's back and she... Uh, says, I forgot something under the bed. And as she bends down, you notice, because now the lights are on, that you can see her balls. And she's a tranny. Okay. Do you want your money back, Ross? What just changed, man? You didn't know she was a tranny last night because she had them taped up. Now you see them. What's, hey. going on? What's going on in your head, bud? Yeah, you've ruined that experience for me. Okay. Yeah. What happened? It was still the best night of sex ever. Uh, no, not anymore. See, no, now are, are we not talking about the same thing? No, no, now we, a, we did it in a charter way. Now it's a horrible experience. To, where I, feel to like clarify, been, I feel like I've been really ripped off. Okay, so how do you feel about the wine now, Ross? Screw let's, you, Rudy. Yeah, let's 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 <laughs> screw you, Rudy. Yeah. Who, you, who the hell do you think you are? See how an experience can change after the fact. Yeah, you're right. There you go. You're, you're absolutely right. It ain't so cool anymore, is it? Yeah, man. Sorry, I had to go there. That's dark. Should we talk about COVID nineteen? Let's talk, let's let's lighten things up by talking about <laughs> a global <laughs> pandemic. Uh, oh uh, man! All right, here's we, what I want to say about the the, okay. the, the COVID nineteen. Yeah. as the Dow is dropping yet again. Here's my overall reminder to people, and I'm going to simplify this as much as you possibly can. Pandemics end. You name it, it's ended, or it's gotten under control right? There's a vaccine. There's a cure. These do not continue forever. They just don't. And this one won't either. And we are in a, uh, some people scary, certainly. Uh, we are in an unknown time frame. And my two fastest thoughts right now about everything that's going on. One is this is a time where you got to look for some positives. 100%. I said on Facebook earlier, gratitude is the attitude. And what I mean by that is when you're grateful for something in the moment, you're not scared and panicked at the same time. You can't do both at the same time. So the more moments you could find where you're finding something to be grateful for, something to be positive about, listening to a fun podcast, you're not thinking about the things that are terrifying you, at least not simultaneously at that point. So find those things. For me the other day, the other thing I said in my post was, when I was at the store the other day, for the first time in 41 years, I went to the store and I realized that they didn't have some things that I wanted. We've all been in the store where they have one product that's gone and you're bummed by that. But there was no toilet paper. The entire meat section of Sam's Club had been wiped out. Um, lots of those types of things were gone. And I realized for 41 years, we've been going to the grocery store, walking in and the grocery store has been full. And then we buy our stuff and hundreds of people buy their stuff and then we leave and then three days later, we go back, and what's happened? It's full again. The food supply chain in this country is amazing. Talk about a documentary, right? How does this happen? It's grown, it's produced, it's picked, it's boxed, it's packaged, it's shipped, it's trucked, it's flown to our grocery store shelves, and we walk in there, we buy it. For $1.60. We're extremely blessed to live where we live and be able to do what we do. And we're being shaken to our core right now because it's the first time we've seen it the other way. And it scares us, right? But remember, there's still a lot of food out there. Okay, it's not like they have one week's worth of supply of this stuff and we're almost out of it. The food supply chain right now in the United States is fine. You don't need to worry about that. But be grateful for something. The other one I was grateful for is everyone listening to this has a home. You might rent it or you might own it, but we all have a home, Okay. And for those of us that have an actual house, we have a yard. So even if we're confined to our home or quarantined to our home, we've still got some space that we can escape to. For those in an apartment, 
feel a little bit worse for you, go to your roof. But think about Italy right now. Those places, yeah. Think about the people that are geographically screwed, that are in these tight, tiny towns where they don't have yards. They don't exist, right? So be grateful for something as simple as your yard. You can go outside. You can play catch with your kid if you want to. You can, you can do some things here that you can't do. So, again, gratitude is the attitude. I think that's really, really, really important. And, again, like I said before, this thing is going to to end. It's it's going to get better. Now it might get worse for us here shortly, but it's going to get better. The other thing that I'm at least hopeful for, and you can debate whether or not the numbers are real or not, is China. Okay, look at China. They went through this. And you can say, well, they're probably lying about the numbers. As of yesterday or the day before, allegedly, no new cases, no new deaths. Okay. So it feels like they're on the other side of that. And if you don't believe the numbers in China, then maybe you'll believe some companies like Starbucks and Apple that are reopening there. I don't think they do that if they're not on the other side of this or feel that they're on the other side of this. So they're, what, a month, a month and a, a half ahead of where we are in this thing? We're going to get through this. Yeah, Mark, that's all. Dude, that's great. You're absolutely right, man. Um, we got to do a good job of keeping each other up. You know, I, I encouraged some people on my radio show the other day to call. I, I've heard this from other people. I'm not trying to take credit for it. Like every day, try to call or reach out to five people. Okay. And I, I tried to start a couple of different text chains with small groups of friends to say, Hey, how we doing? Just check up, you know, crack some jokes, that type of thing that guys do with sure. each other. Right. Yep. Um, you know, again, maybe even with subconsciously putting those, those groups into different fields of like, here's who's comfortable with this level of oh, humor, yeah. here's who's comfortable with this level of humor, yep. and then just kind of shooting stuff out to go, hey, how's everybody doing, man? And let's just keep this alive and see what's going on. And one of my good friends that I'd done that with, he reached back out to me, and he's like, dude, I took your advice, and I started calling people. And my God, am I, do I wish I hadn't done that. Mm, interesting. Because everybody's depressed. Yeah. Everybody's worried. Everybody's freaking out, man. And he said, and it made me it made me freak out a little bit. And I said, yeah, but that's the point of this, okay? You're gonna you, you your calm is going to freak out a little bit when it's around their freak out. But the point of it is, your calm is going to calm their freak out. Yeah. Okay. So you you got to kind of, this is taking one for the team. This what this is is reaching out to your friends that who you don't even know if they're struggling, man. Mm-hmm. All of think about your friends that own a small business that work for a small business. Yeah. Things are scary right You're now. You're listening to one right now. I know, right? I know, I know, right? Yeah. I've got I've got a bunch of friends that are in this case yep. in this situation, and I think that the most important thing is exactly that attitude, man. Keep your eyes on the horizon, aim high, and go. Okay, we're we're gonna get through this. It's gonna be rough. We're going to get through this. And when we get through it, it's going to, I mean, when we get through this, what we are going to be is so much better than what we were. And that sounds so difficult and stupid right now because we're on the front side of this thing. Well, we'll definitely be prepared better for the next one. That's one way to look at it. And I think that's inevitably true. When I think about when we were talking about grandparents and I say the name Schiphol and I think about my grandparents up in Wisconsin. I remember when I was a little kid, about 10 years old, and helping my grandma crush tin cans in Mm -hmm. in their can crusher in the corner of the garage. And then hauling all that stuff up to the recycling center because they didn't have curbside pickup out in the (laughs) sticks in Wisconsin, right? And, and, And just having those conversations with my grandparents about all the lessons that my generation, our generation, had forgotten that their generation that had lived through a depression had tried to sure. hold on to. Okay? Yeah. And that generational knowledge, which was tight for a lot yeah. of things, had fallen apart for little things like this. We are going to be, something's going to come of this, man. I don't know what it is. This time at home is going to give us time to be creative, time to be inspired. It's going to make us get that way. And I, something great's going to come of this, dude. We've been so comfortable for so yeah. long. And, and when, when our brains are pushed is when something good comes of it. So that's why I say keep looking for that good stuff. When you see that good stuff, share that good stuff. 
and keep looking at the horizon because you're absolutely right, man. It looks so bad when you're when you've got. Uh, We're the stock watching the market. Dow minus uh, five hundred points right now, which is kind of on the light side for the Dow, honestly, these days. I, Mark, I think I'd encourage you, even, dude. I know that you turn it off. <laughs> I'm getting to where I need to, Ross. Turn it yeah, off, as a guy man. that's in the market, I it's, know. it's tough times. There's turn, no question. So, so turn it off and start focusing on some of that good stuff. You, I, you have been a beacon of light. We have text groups that are going on throughout the, uh, the, the charter house group here. You've been telling everybody, you've been keeping everybody up to date. You've been keeping everybody's spirits light. Um, and I would continue to do that because it helps everybody. The more we all are doing that, the better off we're all yeah. going to be. And you're right. We're going to get through this. I do think that it's important for people to listen. And if you believe uh, statistics, there's someone listening to this that is certainly prone to depression and, yeah. and, and battles with that. It's inevitable that that's true. I think that right now, and, and, and that's my bigger fear. Like, honestly, the bigger fear I have related to all this is not that you or I or even people that we know are, are going to die from this disease because I think statistically speaking, that's still going to be low. But what's the fallout from it? And even an immediate fallout. And what I mean by that is if you... If all of a sudden all the things that you enjoy in life are taken away from you, all your outlets are taken away from you, you know, things are tough at home, but man, I love escaping to that casino or I like treating myself and going out to a movie or I like watching the baseball game or whatever that is that's taken away from you right now. We need those outlets. We need them in life. And those are gone right now. And hopefully they're gone for a short period of time. But everybody's got to find something else to focus on or try to get happy because this is a time where, man, depression can really take hold for people and you can't even blame them for that happening, right? So I hope we don't see spikes in suicide rates. I hope we don't see spikes in domestic violence because people can't get away from each other, right? Right. Reach out, reach out, reach out to friends. I, I mean, I would every day find somebody else in your contact chain on your Facebook page don't send them a message. Call them, man. Call them. Or send them a text directly yep. that says, how are you? And I mean it. And Because, yep. man, I just did this with a friend the other day who was going through a lot of stuff. And I knew he was. And you see him wearing it, right? And you go up to him and you go, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. No. No. How are you doing, man? You got to do that Robin Williams Goodwill hunting thing at some point. Yeah. Go, no. That's not okay to say that. Yeah. I'm not asking you because I'm because I'm wondering. We're I'm, so afraid I'm, of judgment yeah. and looking weak no, that I'm, we don't want to do it. I'm asking because I want you to hear it from you. I know the answer. I need to hear it from you. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm okay. You're lying. How you doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm all right, man. Stop. No, you're not. And if you're not, say it, and it will help. I promise. Yeah. Because, man, they, I, you know, I'm not a my, my. I've said this a lot. My sister's the one that got the religious bone in the in the family. Okay, mm-hmm. she's a pastor, but I do think there's a lot of incredible lessons to be taken from the Bible, and this is one of them. The, the old allegory about everybody throwing their problems into a pot. Yeah. And then, if you don't want your problems, write them down. Okay. And then come to the town square, and we're going to put them in a giant pot. And at the end of the day, you're going to be able to go in and pull out somebody else's problems. Yeah. And then you're going to be able to decide. Do you want those problems you pulled out of the pot, or do you want yours back? Yeah. And everybody yeah. will take theirs back. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're built to handle what you've been given here, and that's, that's a big part of this. You know what? One of my favorite things about taking a flight and leaving Des Moines, Iowa, to go somewhere else on a cloudy day is, and this will sound incredibly corny, but, I, but I'm reminded of this every single time. You leave on a gloomy day in Iowa. And what happens is, as the plane ascends and gets above 30,000 feet and you break through the clouds, you know what's on the other side? Sun. The sun's always out, right? We get blocked from it because of cloud cover. Like, it's not sunny today. It is. It is sunny every day, except there's clouds in the way. Right now, this is what's happening. There's a big freaking cloud. Great perspective. In the way, right? right? But the sun is still out there. Right, you just got to say, the clouds will go away. Eventually, we'll get above it, and we'll see the sun again. It. Baseball will come back. Football will come back. Basketball will come back. You'll be able to go to the casino again and the movie theater again. This is short-term stuff, right? There's a big tree trunk in front of our face right now, but there's still a forest behind that yeah. tree trunk, right? So you have to try to keep perspective as much as you can which leads me into before we get out of here i want to talk about perspective of the real estate market real quick because i do think people have questions 
about that. Short term, we don't know, right? We don't know. Nobody knows what's happening tomorrow. Our governor could say the state of Iowa is closed and all businesses are closed. We just don't know, right? What are we seeing today currently? We're seeing the real estate market still active today. Um, two days ago, I listed a house. Yesterday, I sold a listing. Two days ago, I helped a buyer get under contract for a house. So we are still seeing real estate activity happening. One of the reasons for that is real estate doesn't require a large group, right? It's one agent, one buyer going to look at a house. So we can do our job when we have to be with people and it's just kind of a one-on-one thing. So if you're wanting to look at a house, the houses are still open. Now, with that being said, we have had a few sellers that have called and said, we want to put things on pause while this is going. A few buyers are probably feeling the same way. Nothing wrong with that. That makes total sense under this. The one thing I'd advise people to really pay attention to, and I want to remind people of a specific example here, is interest rates, okay? Especially if you're buying a house and why they're important. Pandemics end, interest rates don't. They'll be with you for 30 years on that house unless you refinance, right? So the rate you get is the rate you get unless you change it down the road. So uh, a week ago, interest rates were at 3% and dipped under 3%, which was the lowest in history, okay? As of yesterday, I haven't looked today, but as of yesterday, interest rates are 4%, okay, or, or over. For interest rates to move a full percent in a week is unheard of, okay? So the world is volatile and so are interest rates, but here's why that's important and what I'd advise people thinking about buying. My advice would be as soon as you see rates, especially if you're going to buy soon or want to buy soon, as soon as you see rates dip down into the threes again, try to lock it in, which people can do for 60 days before they buy their house. But here's what people need to understand about rates because you talk rates and it's math and like, I don't get it and who cares, right? Here's what happened over the course of a week. Ross, if you were approved to go buy a house at 3% last week, I would say, okay, Ross, based on your numbers, we're going to go find you a $200,000 house. That's what you can afford based on what your payment's going to be. If you waited one week and didn't lock in and said, okay, I'm ready now to do it, and I'm now at 4%. We're no longer looking at $200,000 houses. We're looking at $180,000 houses for the same payment, okay? So when the rate moves a percent like we just saw, you lose 10% of your buying power, okay? Same payment, different house. And Ross, as you dabble in real estate, you're going to understand there can be a big difference oh. between 180000 and 200000 That's a huge difference there. Yeah. So when people say, oh, rates are rates and they don't matter, they do matter. And, and they matter in a real world sense that this is the payment that you're paying every single month for the next 5, 10, 15 years. But it's also the amount of house that you get. Now, God forbid they go to 5%, which we haven't seen in a long, long time. You know, again, perspective, 3, 4, 5, 6% historically speaking, is still really, really low. Our parents were the ones that were doing 13, 14, 15%, right? So we've still got it good, no matter what. But if you're someone that's even considering buying a house relatively soon, you definitely want to be watching those rates and try to jump on it when they're going to get below four again, which I think that they will. On the selling side, there are still buyers out there, but keep in mind when the rates go higher, your buyer pool shrinks a little bit. They're more price conscious, et cetera. So the two things are definitely linked together. But just remember, people still need to buy, still need to sell. Now, let me end with a plug for Charterhouse Real Estate. Specific. We do this every day, okay? We're not offering something that's on sale to be great people, et cetera. If you're listening to this or you have a friend that you need to tell this to, I want to remind people about something that we do here specifically that's different. We are set up beautifully to help people in difficult times there will be some people that come out of this with a job loss or their money's gone, et cetera, and they're going to have to sell a house, okay? And we're not trying to be vultures and pounce on those people, but we're trying to tell you about something that will help them. At Charterhouse, we don't charge 6 or 7% to sell your house, which is still the norm in our industry. We charge twenty four ninety five plus 3%, which on a $200,000 house versus 6% is going to save somebody $3,500 in commission. There's no reason to be paying that $3,500 when we're doing the same thing. Same MLS, same Zillow, lockbox, sign, professional uh, agent, all of that, right? If it gets up to $400,000, now we're saving you $9,500, okay? When times are tough, 
Even when they're not tough, you should save money with us. But especially when times are tough and you have to sell the house, unfortunately, because something bad has happened to you and you just need to do it. That's especially the time that you need to call a firm like ours. We're not shortchanging you in any way. We're saving you money that you desperately need in that moment. This is my PSA. I don't do a lot of talking about what we do on this podcast for a reason. But in difficult times, we want to help people even more. And we're already set up to do that. We don't need to ask for permission to do it. We don't need to change anything to do it. We're already there. So is that fair, Ross? I think that's more than fair, Mark. This was fun, man. I'm glad to come up here to hang out with you. Just in an hour, man. Be safe, dude. Okay. Okay. Be safe. We'll, uh, we'll chat again in a week and we'll see how much the world has changed in that time. And it could be a lot <laughs> over the next I week. Think, listen, I think it's going to be. And, and you know, I've, we've talked about this. My mom is, my mom and dad are both in their 70s. My dad has been a smoker his entire life. Mom's fighting cancer and on chemo. Uh, I'm okay. I'm all right with quarantining and locking down if this means that I get to have a couple more years with my parents, sure. okay? And, if, and I am worried that that's the type of thing that we're gambling with Yeah, with this. So um, everybody be safe and uh, let's, you know. Take be, it seriously. Stay home. Don't re- be like the idiot spring breakers that no, are out saying. Uh, and know? reach out to friends, man. Reach out. See how people are doing because everybody's doing the same thing. They're staring at the TV and they're, they're dooming and glooming. And they're waking up with dread and fear. And if you just be that light in somebody's life, man, and let them drag you down a little bit, but be that positive force in their life and then encourage them to do the same. It'll be amazing what ripple effect we can have. 100%. Hopefully we took your mind off things for at least an hour. And hopefully we'll be back next week to do it again. Thanks. Another episode of Jump the Shark is in the books. Ross and I hope you had fun with us and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charterhouse Real Estate. We have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support, and we will talk to you next week.